Look around you, black child. Your creation is everywhere. Though painted, distorted, and given new names, they bear your prints just the same. So sharpen your eyes, tune your ears, so you know what you see, understand what you hear. You were the first to write, the first to read. Humanity sprang from your black seed. For 160,000 years, you were here all alone. Then the Caucasian was born, behind the ice, inside the cold. A chill set in this new man's soul. Other minds have been credited with the things that he's learned from you. Newton, Kepler, Pythagoras, and Galileo too. Sharpen your eyes, tune your ears, so you know what you see, understand what you hear. You made the serpent the symbol of the healing arts. With African justice was goddess Ma'at, who weighed herself against the African soul. Truth and justice blindfold. The George Washington Monument is yours too, just a copy of the African Tekanu. The symbol of the black world's powers of creation, the black man's penis and divine procreation. The king of southern Egypt wore white crown. Keep listening, and you'll catch your mouth when you learn that the central government in Egypt was known as the White House. Sharpen your eyes, tune your ears, so you know what you see, understand what you hear. Your god Osiris was restored to life long before Buddha, long before Christ. And that what you call the Madonna and child is but the first black family worship long the night. And when you get the spirit, the feeling, or the Holy Ghost, you should know that it started at Abydos, where God Osiris' body was laid, the Holy Land where Africans prayed. Minute by minute, hour by hour, as you lose your history, you lose your power. So sharpen your eyes, tune your ears, so you know what you see, understand what you hear. We are an African people. We will remember the humanity, glory, and suffering of our ancestors. We will honor the struggles of our elders. We will strive to bring new values and new life to our people. We will have peace and harmony among us. We will be loving, sharing, and creative. We will work, study, and listen so we may learn. Learn so we may teach. We will cultivate self-reliance. We will struggle to resurrect and unify our homeland. We will raise many children for our nation. We will have discipline, patience, devotion, and courage. We will live as models to provide new directions for our people. We will be free and self-determining. We are an African people and we will win and we will win and we will win. Ashe. All right. We're up in there. Peace, everyone. Uh, willfully, you all can hear me. YouTube was doing some funny stuff just now. It wasn't, um, 
The show wasn't coming in live. I see we have a couple of listeners on YouTube now. So I'm only going to assume that uh, we're, we're, we're good to go, <laughs> that we're actually streaming and everything is cool. Uh, but yeah, welcome everyone to uh, community. I see some some folks already in the chat room, so I'm gonna take that as we're good. <laughs> All right, but yeah, yeah. I hope everyone's enjoying the day. I know we're starting just a couple of minutes late. Yeah, you know that happens sometimes. Sometimes uh, sessions run a little bit over, and I had a session right before the show. But uh, welcome. Welcome to Enlightenment and Transformation. Welcome to our new nation. For those of you who are members of Sadua House, you know, I hope you, you're making out with your classes and moving through them. Uh, quick announcement again. I shared it last night, but I, I'm going to share it again today. I know a lot of people don't catch the, um, the the late night show. Well, it's a different crowd of people. Let me say that because actually I think that's probably the biggest show at this point. I think, well, aside from Chief Speaks, of course, but in terms of participation, but uh, it's a totally different group of people than who do the daytime and the, the early dawning show, but, um, or segments, not shows. Let me call them segments like I like. So, yeah, you know, like I shared, we're going through some some stuff with the developers on the Studio House website, the plug-in developers for some of my the classroom software. And you may have noticed that some of your classes are missing on the site. Uh, again, we're working on it, and I actually spoke to one of them earlier today, and it looks like we're going to have to, or I'm going to have to recreate some of those classes by hand, all right? So um, just to let you know, you you will get them back in your account, which is going to take me a minute to compile some of the content back again. Uh, we were doing some upgrades on the sites and some upgrades with the, some, 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 cool stuff you're supposed to be able to do with the instructors and stuff like that. And um, it caused a, a little technical glitch where basically uh, in some of the instructors content was removed. All right. Uh, so we're working on that. All right. It'll be put back just so you know, our new spiritual training is still there and it's fine. All right. But the other classes outside of that have a little issue. So I wanted to get that announcement and the other announcement that I said I was going to keep sharing is that uh, by the end of this month, which is coming up pretty soon, I guess, uh, we will be uh, doing away with the blog talk situation for a little while. I'm going to still keep the account, but I'm downgrading my account. So I'll keep it in case I just find out, no, I need to go back to blog talk and, you know, then I'll I'll reactivate it. But, uh, yeah, we're going to be moving primarily onto YouTube probably for a couple months maybe a month or two, just until I figure out how I want to do it. All right. So just a heads up for everyone, you know, now you can still listen to the archive, all the archives from way back will still be on YouTube. So I'm not killing my account per se. So you can still listen to them. Even today's segment will still be up there. All right. But um, from May, what are we in April? May. So from May 1st, we'll, you know, I won't be doing, the shows on Block Talk Radio for a little while. All right, we're gonna ease up off of that. It's time to play around with some other mediums too, man. You know, like as you all know, I get bored. <laughs> you know, I get kind of bored a little quickly. You know, so yeah, we're gonna be doing some different things, man. But yeah, peace t- again to everyone in the, in the chat room. You know, and uh, everyone who's listening live. You know, I want to express something 
before we got started on anything. All right. And uh, it will help to outline what we're going to build on. Here we go. The caterpillar and Alice looked at each other for some time in silence. At last, the caterpillar took, caterpillar took the hooker out of its mouth and addressed her in a languid, sleepy voice. Who are you? said the caterpillar. This was not an encouraging opening for a conversation. Alice replied rather shyly, I, I hardly know, sir. Just at present, at least I know who I was when I got up this morning. But I think I must have changed several times since then. What do you mean by that? said the caterpillar sternly. Explain yourself. I can't explain myself. I'm afraid, sir said Alice, because I am not myself, you see. I don't see, said the caterpillar. I'm afraid I can't put it more clearly, Alice replied very politely, for I can't understand it myself to begin with, and being so many different sizes in a day is very confusing. It isn't, said the caterpillar. Well, perhaps you haven't found it so yet, said Alice, but when you have to turn into a chrysalis, you will someday, you know. After that, into a butterfly. I should think you'll feel it a little queer, won't you? Not a bit, said the caterpillar. Well, perhaps your feelings may be different, said Alice. All I know is it would feel very queer to me. You, said the caterpillar contemptuously, who are you? which brought them back again to the beginning of the conversation. Alice felt a little irritated at the caterpillars, making such a very short remarks, and she drew herself up and said very gravely, I think you ought to tell me who you are first. Why, said the caterpillar. Here was another puzzling question, said, and as Alice could not think of any good reason, and as the caterpillar seemed to be in a very unpleasant state of mind, she turned away. Come back, the caterpillar called after her. I have something important to say. This sounded promising. Certainly, Alice turned and came back again. Keep your temper, said the caterpillar. Is that all, said Alice, swallowing down her anger as well as she could. No, said the caterpillar. Alice thought she might as well wait, as she had nothing else to do, and perhaps after all, it might tell her something worth hearing. For some minutes, it puffed away without speaking, but at last it folded its arms, took the hookah out of its mouth again and said, so you think you're changed, do you? I'm afraid I am, sir, said Alice. I can't remember things as I used, and I don't keep the same size for ten minutes together. Can't remember what things, said the caterpillar. Well, I've tried to say how doth the little busy bee, but it all came different. Alice replied in a very melancholy voice. Repeat, you are old, Father William, said the caterpillar. Alice folded her hands and began. You are old, Father William, the young man said, and your hair has become very white, and yet you incessantly stand on your head. Do you think at your age it is right? In my youth, Father William replied to his son, I feared it might injure the brain, but now that I'm perfectly sure I have none, why I do it again and again. You are old, said the youth, as I mentioned before, and have grown most uncommonly fat. Yet you turned a back somersault in at the door. Pray, what is the reason for that? 
In my youth, said the sage, as he shook his gray locks, I kept all my limbs very supple by the use of this ointment and shilling the box. Allow me to sell you a couple. You are old, said the youth, and your jaws are too weak for anything tougher than suet. Yet you finish the goose with the bones and the beak. Pray, how do you manage to do it? In my youth, said his father, I took the law and argued each case with my wife. And the muscular strength which it gave it to my jaw has lasted the rest of my life. You are old, said the youth. One would hardly suppose that your eyes are as steady as ever, yet you balance an eel on the end of your nose. What made you so awfully clever? I have answered three questions, and that is enough, said his father. Don't give yourself airs. Do you think I can listen all day to such stuff? Be off, or I'll kick you down the stairs. That is not said right, said the caterpillar. Not quite right, I'm afraid, said Alice. Timidly, some of the words have gotten altered. It is wrong from beginning to end, said the caterpillar decidedly, and there was silence for some minutes. The caterpillar was first to speak. What size do you want to be, it asked. Oh, I'm not particular as to size, Alice hastily replied. Only one doesn't like changing so often, you know. I don't know, said the caterpillar. All right, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Story time, right? Took you back. I'm just going to take you back to kindergarten. Uh, For some, you know, that may have been uh, familiar to you. You know, that was the um, the the intersection, and of course, uh, Alice in Wonderland, uh, written by quote unquote Lewis Carroll, and the intersection where Alice encounters the um, the caterpillar known as Absalom. Well, in in some works, he's known as Russell. And others, he's known as Absalom. But either way, you know, he's always smoking. You know, he's smoking that hookah, which, of course, is is a metaphor for certain things. Um, it's a metaphor for an altered state of mind, you know, because he's always smoking. And the fact that, well, he's a caterpillar. So, you know, um, there's an idea of metaf- metamorphosis or change being present. And yeah, as you see, is one of the things that Alice uh, is struggling with. In that sense, the change and the metamorphosis. And uh, as many of you know, we've been speaking about that a lot, the strong, you know, uh, from last night. You know, we, well, we covered a lot of ground last night, right? You know, uh, from witches to music to uh, Dune, the Benny Gesserit, um, Boardwalk Empire. We were all over the place <laughs> last night. But um, ultimately, you know, we're building on and speaking about the, the quality and the formulas of change and, and transformation uh, in our lives and, and collectively. And, you know, even prior to that, one of the things that we had discussed was the formula in, in terms of the satisfaction, vision, steps, um, being th- the necessary components to move beyond the, the resistance that exists within our stagnation and ensuring that our efforts are larger than our circumstance which I know is, is, a, is a large one for many people, especially when you start talking about first steps, you know, and they just can't see their steps or their efforts uh, ever being able to um, become the juggernaut in the, equa- the equation or become that gigantic force that can now, you know, tsunami whatever it is that their circumstances are that they don't want in their lives, you know. So um, 
I wanted to read that little section. And that, that passage actually extends further. There's more in that chapter, but I felt that was enough. But I felt, you know, it was a good start to just to this to thinking, to the idea, you know, um, sometimes the discomfort that we take on as it, pertain, as it pertains to change, you know, um, maybe even sometimes the resistance that a lot of us have as it pertains to change. And, and you see that in that particular little passage. And I mean, it goes on, you know, Alice in Wonderland is, uh, you know, Lewis Carroll, I mean, aside from being a pedophile, he was also an occultist. So, you know, cause I mean, again, you, you, you get a sense of that one, because, Absalom, you know, this caterpillar was sitting on a mushroom, he's smoking, you know, so it's like, you see all these drug references, you know, but um, it's also the idea, drug and sex references, actually, when you're looking at a mushroom, but you have this little girl who's around this individual who's smoking, and, you know, when she, she she's told to drink this, you know, and eat this, and this and that, so, you know, it's, it's that infusion or that introduction of the narcotic as well, you know, um, but ultimately, it's about altered states of consciousness and how our perceptual reality changes as a result of the change in our lives, you know. So um, when you see that that conversation um, back of, back and forth between Absalom or Russell, again, I guess sometimes he has either name, uh, the Caterpillar and Alice, you see essentially um, her discomfort with the idea of, um, of change. And when, when, um, he tells her, Hey, you know, recite the poem and she has this inability to recite it, uh, perfectly. We'll say, you know, you, you start to see that Alice has a, her sense of self is distorting. Her sense of self is changing, you know? And, um, the, the idea even of the poem where, you know, the the, the young man is, is questioning the father and saying, you're so old, how can you do this? How can you do that? How can you do that? Um, you, you, you realize that the way that she has changed the poem, you know, according to him, the way that she has changed the idea of it, you know, deals with her perception of life, her perception of growth, her perception of, of self how it's changed and, and eventually what happens is even her very language changes. So she's like, man, I can't, I can't say this poem the way I used to say it even, you know, it's, it's almost like the Christians, you know, how they talk about when they get baptized and they say, you know, stepped out of the water, my feet look new, looked at my hands, they look new too. You know, everything looks different. I, I can't do the things that I, that I did before, you know, I, I don't see the world as I did before. You know, um, so it's the acceptance in that sense of that grand change that comes as a result of our transformation. So, you know, like I said, I, I thought it was a good segue. Let me actually give you all the phone number. I forgot, man. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, we're 20 minutes in. I forgot the phone number. Uh, you see, I'm already phasing out. Right? I'm already in that space. 515-605-9862. Just hit the number one if you want to talk. All right. That's the phone number. All right. I knew that was going to happen. Just when I got to the point when I was going to remember the phone number, something told me. I said, yeah, watch. As soon as I get to the point when I finally remember this number, I'm going to probably not be using it anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, that's how it is, man. But, yeah, anyway, 
so yeah, man, that, that just the idea of the exchange and I was really kind of vibing on that uh, a couple of days ago when I was just thinking about the concept of change. And I didn't even think to read a passage from Alice in Wonderland, but when I was like, yeah, you know what, this strong, I'm going to talk about change with them. And um, I kept in my mind, you know, was getting the image of of the caterpillar and, and things like that. I think I even used the caterpillar for one of the the images, you know, for one of the shows. But, um, you know, of course, or not the caterpillar, I'm sorry, the butterfly you know, which you also have in the work. Um, But the idea, again, of her developing that frustration or having that frustration around not being able to recite a poem and, you know, the fact that she's unable to articulate even who she is when he kept saying, well, who are you? Who are you? And she's, you know, she's not answering the question you know, it, it makes it clear that um, she's in a she's in a strange land. You know, she's in a strange space. You know, um, and it's kind of taken, it's you know, it's it's weighed down on her sense of self. You see, a lot of times in our lives, man, we go through things where we're constantly facing chaotic storm to chaotic storm from chaotic storm, and we completely lose our grounding. We lose our rooting. You know, we lose our sense of self in that sense. And it's very similar to like the, the movie Inception or it was another movie. It, it'll come to me. I can't remember. But um, you you even find that sometimes in certain films like Pulp Fiction where you have killers and they always seem to have some type of anchor that they utilize to bring them to reality despite the, the chaotic nature of whatever it is that they're doing. Inception, you, you know, they had anchoring objects like some kept checked chess pieces or toys or whatever they, you know, they had different things that they held in their hand to anchor them back to the reality that they were most comfortable with. So in this scenario, you have her using a poem, right? And even in that, she's unable to even anchor to that. So um, you start to see that, okay, all of these changes, like she said, well, I've been so many different sizes today. You know, so all of those different changes, you know, have kind of taken taken a toll in a sense. And her sense of self, like I said, has been kind of warped and, and changed around. And, you know, um, it's real deep when you kind of look at it again, realizing. And I, I broke this down another shot. I don't remember which one it was. Oh, I think I, I named it Through the Looking Glass or something like that. You know, I don't usually remember the show titles. But either way, um, where I had... Ex- explained who Lewis Carroll was, you know, the fact that he was a pedophile and Alice was a little girl that he was in love with, you know. Um, so you start to get a, a, a different kind of perspective, of course, and reading the work and, and understanding, you know, uh, the fact, again, that her size changes like that, you know, um, going from three inches to three feet and, and this like that, you know, but um, so she says, I've changed my size. But then you even see some of the metaphorical value of some of the things that are placed, like, for instance, the caterpillar. So, you know, caterpillar or, or, or the mushrooms, those are, those are phallic symbols. You know, when you see that in different works, you see the caterpillar. I know we immediately usually associate it with change and metamorphosis and transformation, but they're also 
uh, phallic symbol. So to have this little girl around this phallic symbol also has, again, another meaning, you know. And and like I said, ultimately, you learn that um, when you when you figure out, you know, again, who the author is, <laughs> you know, which we spoke about before, uh, what he's really representing, you know, in that sense. But, yeah, man, the change, the change is so critical in that sense. And sometimes it can really knock us off balance. And for some, you may need an anchor point. Um, I'm not a fan of anchor points. I don't care about going to the abyss, you know, and lose all anchoring. I don't really care. If if it's time to change, let's do it. Let's take it there, you know. And if we come out on the other side as completely different people, not even recognizing and remembering our former selves or, you know, the, the things in our former, because cause really, if you, if you read that, that poem, it was about, it was extolling the values of, of modesty. You know, you have to go back and read, but you see, it's talking about, about modesty, you know, modesty. So um, the ability to just go beyond that and see things as completely different and lose all of your checkpoints, you know, lose all of your anchor points. I'm, I'm with it, <laughs> you know, but, you know, we all serve a different point and every atom and molecule jumps and pops in the bin at a different rate. You know, not everything is going to jump as high or jump as wide or jump as low, you know. Um, so we all have different things to do in that sense. But you also even see with the caterpillar, one of the reasons, like we said, well, you know, she said, well, when you go through your chrysalis and everything, you'll see what it's like. And, you, and then you'll think differently. He was like, no, nah, probably not. You know, because one of the things you see that he already was working from an altered state of mind. He kept himself medicated. You know, all throughout the story, anytime you saw the caterpillar, he had that hooker. He was smoking, you know, so all throughout out the piece. So, you know, he kind of kept himself in a strange land, uh, if you will. He kept himself in a strange land. Alice, being the square that she was, had difficulty in a strange land going through all the changes. She didn't have the flexibility like the caterpillar had. And, and that's ultimately, you know, as I said before, flexibility is key to enlightenment. You know, it's just that simple. Flexibility is the key to enlightenment. You know, so you never want to kind of downplay the importance of it. But, you know, there's also a purity of character that comes into the place and into place when you're looking at um, change and growth in that sense. And there was two symbols I was, well, it's kind of something I saw in my head. I saw a caterpillar on a flower. All right. And, um, Sometimes when I'm thinking about topics, whether it be for classes or whether it be for lectures or segments like these, a lot of times what I'm working on or what comes to me, it comes to me more in images. You know, it's sometimes just easier to organize thoughts that way for me, you know, if I, if I have an image uh, association as opposed to trying to think, well, I'll say this and I'll say that. Because I, I don't really like to do that. I like to say, well, I got this image. So basically, every show that I do is me just describing an image in my mind. That's pretty much how I organize. Sometimes I even write notes like that when I'm doing lectures. I'll just be kind of sketching a picture. That's my lecture notes. <laughs> you know, so I can glance back at the picture and, you know, like we say, a picture says a thousand words. Well, it, take, it also takes less time than writing notes, <laughs> you know, so I utilize that a lot. So when I was thinking about this strong, the entire strong, I would say, um, 
I was considering the image of a of a of a butterfly at a flower, you know, because there's a whole another level of appreciation of a flower as a butterfly, you know, than than as a as a caterpillar even, you know, it's a whole different kind of appreciation. And you know, I know I've done a show previously, you know, on Lakshmi and different energies, and I spoke about the value of um, the lotus, the placement of the lotus in terms of um, Hindi philosophy and when you're dealing with different Devi and different energy, you know, um, what the lotus represents. But, you know, I was thinking about it again in terms of um, the different formations of the lotus. You know, like a lot of times you have the blue lotus um, and the blue lotus, whenever you see that depicted or drawn, you know, it, it each lotus represents different paths. So flowers are different paths even. And, you know, it's very similar with, with feather work. You know, sometimes when you find different feathers, you know, different feathers mean like I'm talking about in your everyday world, you're walking down a path or a street and, you know, you see a feather, a pigeon feather, but different color feathers represent different things depending on your cultural influence, you know, because depending on your culture, different colors mean different things, you know, so it's not universal. Like red doesn't always mean love. Because it can mean love, but it also can mean aggression, you know, or it could mean action or it could mean stop, you know, depending on your cultural influences. So and of course, the more varied your cultural influences, now the more you have to you have to pull into your intuition. You move beyond the templates, you know, where this always has to mean that and that always has to mean that. But, you know, I was considering the lotus, you know, when I was thinking about a butterfly on a flower, and I just kind of just kept, I, I, I just sustained the image in my mind for a little while and just played around with it, and, you know, and I'm just giving you this this for any of you, you know, may want to get to that place where you can be more fluid with your thoughts and your ideas. Sometimes the Im- imagery does help, and, you know, and you could think about, well, what kind of day is this, and how's the wind, and, you know, and, um, what was that butterfly before it was about, you know, what kind of cat, what was the personality of the caterpillar? <laughs> you know, did anybody trample on that flower and maybe the butterfly came and now the flower appreciates the care and the concern that the butterfly put, you know, I go through, I'm like a little child, you know, how children do they make up stories, Well, that's how I do, you know, when I see an image and that's essentially what you're supposed to do. Like when you see an ankh or you see a Sankofa symbol or fiancra, you know, or or any of our even a, I don't know. I'm gonna leave that one out. I don't want y'all playing with those. But a lot of our sacred symbols, they're supposed to trigger images and thoughts in your mind, which open up different portals. You know, um. So there's a combination here: flowers and, of course, the butterfly. And, you know, like I was saying, for instance, different colors that you would see of the lotus represents basically different paths to the Buddha nature. Okay, it's not just the person painted it that color because it matches the dress on the Debbie. You know, it's, it's it you know goes a little deeper than that. Um, you know, like when you have the lotus period, you know, the fact that it, it grows in the mud and comes up above the surface, you know, and that mud represents that the the suffering or or the the murkiness of the human condition. You see. So that's almost like the sim- symbolism of the caterpillar, where it's got a, it's crawling on the ground and it has to, 
it has to use a lot of effort, a lot of legs even to get wherever it needs to go, to move wherever it needs to go. But, you know, whenever you see that mud or, you know, that it, it represents, you know, our human con- con- condition and, and the things that make us stronger in life that we have to push through and we have to go through. And as that flower grows up through the mud, it's moving beyond, it's resisting the trappings of the human condition in order so that it can really realize its pain. I mean, not pain, excuse me, it's change. So it can fully realize its change. So in order to fully realize its own change, it has to push beyond the murkiness of the human condition. It has to see itself and see, you know, even optimistically something beyond the human condition. It has to be willing for that, you know, even though a part of it is still may still be rooted in that experience of suffering. It still has that in its past. It may still have it in its roots somewhere. Sometimes your rootage is your family and you have to break free of the suffering that your family may bring you or your friends even or the neighborhood you grew up in. You know, you may be in, maybe you were bullied as a child or you just were poor, whatever, you know, or you just didn't have a good experience growing up, you know. And um, you push beyond that in order to rise through the water. The water is that consciousness, you know, and and it's a process of purification, right? Because when you see the, the, the lotus at the surface, you don't see mud all over it, mud and bacteria. You don't see that part. So you recognize that that lotus aspect represents the pure part. But there's so many different paths to that purity. And like I said, a lot of times you see different colors depicted. Um, like for instance, when I, I kept kind of seeing, um, this week's topics, cause usually, you know, I, I have my Sunday topics and usually like for the month I try to think about, okay, in between now that I've been doing the, the everyday shows to try to keep me, um, to try to keep fluidity and to keep relevance to the Sunday show, I think about it usually the beginning of the month or the end of the month. And then literally right after Chief Speaks on Sundays, when I get off, I'm saying, okay, now how I'm going to lay it out Monday through Friday, you know? So, it's you know, it's, it's thinking, but I, I use images. So I kept seeing this blue butterfly on a purple lotus petal. And I said, okay, that keeps popping up in my head. What the heck is that all about? <laughs> you know, am I thinking about Prince or something? You know, I'm going through everything. Should I talk about Prince? You know, I was I talk about Jimi Hendrix, you know, going going all through it. Heck, should I talk about Cameron, <laughs> you know. But um so it it came to me of course eventually, like, Oh, you you're talking about the past of change. That's what we did with that's why the butterfly was there. So we're talking about the different ways that we change and we utilize change and you know, the purple especially in Hindi culture, because if I'm seeing a lotus in my vision, obviously that's where I'm going. You know, that always represents that that power of spirituality or the power of the cleric, you know, or the power. No, not the cleric. No, let me take that out. The power of the wizard or the power of the magi, because the cleric would be more religion, the priest. But, you know, like the power of, of the sage, the guru, the shaman, you know, that's what that purple represents. Whenever you see that. So, you know, purple is a good color. I know uh, purple doesn't get enough play, but it's it's a good color to use. You know, um, you know, I, I always try to keep purple near the entrances of my home, you know, because of what I'm inviting in, you know, and what the home represents. So you can utilize the purple in that sense, 
you know, but um, seeing that purple flower is saying, okay, well, we're speaking about the mystic paths to the Buddha nature or the mystic paths to enlightenment. So, you know, each one represents something different. So like, for instance, a lot of times you may see a white lotus, right? And the white lotus represents using um, the power of, of or, the, or the purification of the, of the spirit in order to get to enlightenment. So now we're talking about purity, like, okay, I got to purify my spirit, this, that, that, and the third, you know, and it's, it's converse may be like a red lotus. The red lotus would be dealing with using my, my emotions or using my power to transmit emotions in order to find my path to enlightenment. So you start to see, man, like there's so many different ways. A lot of times when I do ancestral work with people, some of you have had this experience who I've done work with, and I've told you, go get flowers of different colors. It's not just because it's pretty. You might be thinking, oh, he wants to see a pretty bouquet. No, because the flowers of different colors represent all of the many nature and spiritual nature and personality and, and dispositions of the ancestors. You see, so you get some white, some yellow, some red, some gold, purple, pink, you know, all, all different colors. You know, and what you, you're basically doing is you're outlining the history of your of your egungun. So you can do that even when you're giving offerings to your ancestors. Like, say, if you want to bring some flowers to the water, you know, to the river or the ocean or whatever, you know, bring a multicolored bouquet. And say why you're, you're bringing a multicolored. Now that you know, because now you know you're responsible. I just told you, you're responsible now. You're responsible now. <laughs> But now that you know, so you say, hey, you know, a gungun, you know, whatever you call your ancestors, you know, mother, father, mommy, daddy, you know, grandpa, whatever, grandma. I'm bringing you these these different flowers of different colors because, you know, I want to connect with as many parts of you that I can and as many of you as I can. So and if you get a if you have a sense of of why. We're using certain colors like like I think I mentioned blue earlier. Blue blue in, in Hindi culture represents intellect. You know, represent intellect and like wise people. So there you would say, Okay, my path to the to my higher nature is through intellect and wisdom, you know. So you start to see that there's many ways to get there, man. You don't just have to be spiritual, you don't just have to be smart, you don't just have to be pure, quote unquote. Um, even here, here's a, a key piece. Um, uh, whenever you see, uh, like fuchsia, which is used a lot, if you ever notice in Hindi culture, that particular color for the Lotus that represents, um, chronology and timelines, that fuchsia or that pink color that represents your timelines, you know? So that's like that flower represents, um, our, our ancestors in a sense, but our national ancestors. So let's say for instance, if I bought pink, um, just, just for example, if I brought pink flowers to the water, I may be giving energy to Marcus Garvey, to Mega Evers, you know, to Dr. King, you know, um, you know, all, all of these different people who came previously, who maybe have laid down a path, who, who've, who've done some trail bit blazing in that sense, you know, Du Bois and, and, and Carter G. Woodson, Dr. Clark, you know, all these folks. Um, because the, the pink represents that in, in that culture. Now, that may just be for me because I understand that that's what it represents. So I'll use it in that way. Now, for some, what's pink re- or fuchsia represent? Love, affection, you know, sweetness, Ursula Freda, 
you know, so it it may be a little bit different, but you know, um, there's a there's a great value in the idea of of the flower because again, like dealing with the lotus, you're dealing with the ideas of regeneration and rebirth, being one thing down there in the mud, going through your human condition, you know, like we say sometimes, I'm stuck in the muck in the mire. That's that's the muddy condition. Then I break free of it. Right, go through the water come up to the surface for some air, you know? Um, so it, it, it the, the flower is a critical thing. And you even have that on land, right? You plant a seed, the flower still has to break through the earth so that it can be seen. And it has a stem or a stalk represent, representing its transcendental nature. It's moving beyond. And then it has the flower, you know, representing the dispersion of its energy. Now it's interacting with the world. It's going, it's having its its spiritual condition. So in the soil, it was experiencing, we could say like its human condition and the muck and the mire. And then when it comes up to the air, to the surface, now it's able to have its divine experience in that sense. Many of us look at that like that. We grew up in, in places where we were told we were going to walk the earth. Then we were going to die one day, which would allow us to fly through the air. <laughs> That's a transcendence or Olorun aspect, and then we'll fly through the air till we reach the heavens. And then we'll have our divine heavenly experience. You have that same example in the lotus, as depicted. And many other flowers, right? I'm going to read a comment from the chat. So Lakeisha Sullivan says, as far as with the caterpillar, do you agree no one can rush the metamorphosis? Everyone comes out of the cocoon at its own pace based on self-awareness. So I'm going to read that again. As far as with the caterpillar, do you agree no one can rush the metamorphosis? Everyone comes out of the cocoon at its own pace based on self-awareness. I'm going to leave that for the chat room to answer. I'm not, I'm not answering that. All right. So y'all, y'all answer that question to Sister Sullivan. Which was again, as far as with the caterpillar, do you agree? No one can rush the metamorphosis. Everyone comes out of the cocoon at its own pace on self-awareness, based on self-awareness. Y'all got that. All right. So, um, you know, we're looking at different aspects, of course. We're looking at the aspects of the flower, you know, how the flower becomes significant and our spiritual work. Because one of the things that made me think about this, too, you know, I'm always about breaking down the elements of ritual. Why are we using certain things? And, you know, a lot of times we use flowers. And <laughs> I make I make a small mental note to myself sometimes, you know, um, when I tell people to get certain things and they don't ask. Not, not that they should ask why. I mean, it's good that they're obedient. But at no point are they like, OK, we use this for that. You mind if I ask you what, you know. Um, they just kind of go through the motions. And I, I went through that with someone recently and she was sharing some of the things that she does at a shrine. And, you know, I was doing my why thing. Well, why, why do you do it? Why do it? Why do it? I don't know. That's how it was set up for me. So how can you really connect with the, the elements of the ritual if you don't know why you're using the elements of the ritual? So essentially you don't know what you're giving and you don't know if you're giving it right. It's just like if we're told to give water, to someone or something because it represents purity, clean, cleaning, you know, and um, renewal, then you would automatically know, well, then maybe if that's what I'm giving to represent that, 
I shouldn't be giving stagnant water because that would be antithetical to what it is that I'm supposed to be presenting based on me now understanding the elements of the actual ritual. But if we don't understand that, then yeah, any water will do because we don't know really what it's there to do or really, really what it's for, you know, um, so it's the same thing when we're giving we're giving flowers. You know, I'm also mentioning this because last night last night, excuse me, I had spoke on briefly um the element of or, or the herb known as belladonna. This is interesting. I'm looking in the chat room. And I'm noticing that no one answered Lakeisha Sullivan's question. interesting it wasn't a, it wasn't a complicated question and it was a question that at least 20 of you should have the answer to but no one answered it hmm hmm <laughs> very interesting I don't know if it's a delay I don't think that's what it is I think nobody's stepping forward. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. It's always good to see how you all give to one another. It's always good. That helps me to time the shows. <laughs> yeah. That helps me to, to figure out when I feel like getting off or not of the of the, the segments. When I see something like that. <laughs> there you go, Michelle. Good good looking. There you go. Always I can always count on Sister Michelle, man. That's the warrior right there. And she says, Peace, family, to answer Sister Sullivan's question. If you know your purpose, there is no reason to wait leisurely. Mm, tighten that up. Tighten that up, Sister Michelle. Tighten that up. Yeah, we know you multitasking, Michelle. You got babies. You got young babies. But there's a whole bunch of bunch of dudes in the chat room right now. Where's the dudes at? You know? But you can tighten that that answer up too. You got you know more than that, Sister Michelle. You got more you you, you could drop more science in there. You got more science than that. Come on now. Take it to the abyss. <laughs> But yeah, man, you know, again, just kind of talking about the flower piece, man. And, you know, you see flowers present, you know, the idea of flowers and present in so many different traditions, um, you know, from Taoism, Islam, we use a lot of flowers. Okay, I got another answer here. I agree, Lakeisha. However, you should look into the process the caterpillar goes through when they're changing. You should expound on that, Brother Antonio. And I'm going to read her original question. As far as with the caterpillar, do you agree no one can rush to metamorphosis? Everyone comes out of the cocoon at its own pace based on self-awareness. And Michelle said, uh, if you know your purpose, there's no reason to wait leisurely. So she's basically saying, you know, it's not an issue of rushing. I'm guessing I'm, you know, she's not an issue of rushing. Just go do it if you know your purpose. So it's not about, you know, rushing. It's about going and getting it done. Brother Antonio says, I agree. However, you should look into the process the caterpillar goes through 
when they're changing, which maybe would determine if it's being rushed or not, because maybe there's a time for things. But yeah, there you go. For instance, give those ex- in- for instance, the examples are key. Now everybody's stepping up. Here we go. <laughs> this is what I like to see. There we go. Get into it. <laughs> Let that sister walk away with six different answers. Get into it. So he said, for instance, how do you know when it's time to change and how do you know when the metamorphosis is complete? Mm-hmm. Kind of like the lotus. How do you know when you've hit the surface or if you're still in the water? Or your contextual environment changes. That's how you know you've changed. Your world changes. Your world, you know, like Alice couldn't recite the poem anymore. She kept screwing the poem up. That means now I have changed. I've completed that section of the of the metamorphosis. No, Sister Lakeisha asked if you worded the question wrong. No, you didn't word the question wrong at all. Mm -mm. It was cool. The reason I'm not, I didn't answer it is because I didn't need to answer it. There's enough enough people who should have enough information on the question that you asked that they can have. So I, I passed it back over to the class. It wasn't worded wrong or anything like that. I mean, yeah, grammatically it was messed up, but you know, we got through it, but, uh, cause there ain't no capitals in there, no commas. And, uh, I think there should have been a period in this. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Even though I am being serious, it was grammatically messed up. But um, but no um, no it was it was it was a cool question. Mm-mm. You know, it, it, as you know, you've been listening for a little while. I've been seeing your name pop up. Um, it's not it's not about me always being the go to person, you know, or me even grandstanding. Well, here, let me give you the answer to that. Let me sh- let me show you the depths of my consciousness. No, it, it's about establishing that communal paradigm, you know. And even though you may not have, um directed the question to the group per se um it's about me knowing when to pass it off and say y'all y'all do this let me see what you got you know so um no 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 there was not it wasn't you sister lakeisha just just to make that very clear you, you didn't ask anything wrong um i like to see where, where the people are at sometimes i like to see where their heart is at and i'm still noting the fact that no one answered anything until i said that all is time to answer the question hasn't been answered, you know. Um, so I'm gonna read some of the other answers, and I'm gonna go on talking about the flowers. Say I agree, Keisha. Okay, for instance, okay, right. I, I read that. So Vivid Eye Publication says, Lakeisha, yes and no. Change is always so, regardless of your self awareness, you are always changing. But it's possible to speed it up or choose what you will change to. I was pondering it and trying to look at it fully. But Antonio says, also, why does the caterpillar even see a need to change or that it has the capacity to become something greater? Nobody says it does. Think about that. Maybe the caterpillar doesn't see a need to change. It's just a natural, organic process, and it goes with the flow of what it's going to be. Um, And like you said, or that it has the capacity to become something greater. Maybe it doesn't know that. Maybe it's just going with, with organics, you know, because um, many of us have the capacity to change or, and there's even a need to change, but do we have to change? No. It's different between us and the caterpillar. The caterpillar has to go through a biological process. We can just stay unenlightened. We could just stay deadheads and we can die dead. We could be a, we could be the 115 year old deadheads go down and, and, you know, and, and records is the oldest people alive and all that and still not know anything. 
unlike the caterpillar. Now they could be changed, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that change has to, doesn't have to speak or lend itself to something greater. Like you said, the capacity to become something greater. We don't have to become something greater per se, which makes looking at things like caterpillars very interesting. If you think about it, because um, of its natural process to become something we could say is greater in a sense, it could fly now. Um, it can escape us, <laughs> you know, it can escape certain predators like, you know, birds a little easily, you know, more easier. I mean, sometimes a bird will still catch a butterfly out there and have a good meal, but um, it's definitely much harder for a caterpillar to, to sidestep a bird, you know. Um, Brother Shaga says, uh, piece of Keisha, there is a time for everything to develop. However, the caterpillar must set itself up in the right environment, lest it need escape from the cocoon stage or never not need escape. Good answer. Yeah. A lot of good answers here. See, that's why I wanted to do this. And Sister Lakeisha says, I'm still looking for my purpose. Cool. See, now that redirects the question a little bit or redirects some of the answers. You know, that's why sometimes it's good to answer a question with a question. Michelle says, I should have taken more time to answer. No, you were good, Michelle, but you just, you know, you're multitasking, but I just know you got more. You're cracking these heads open. Once you know your purpose in that instant, your path and internal compass should be all pointing in one direction. Okay, true. But does that mean that you're now completed with your change? Right? Um, Brother Antonio says, by the way, if you look at a caterpillar egg, it kind of looks like a mini cocoon. And it's the fractal aspect. Michelle says, I'm saying, we're going through these answers now. <laughs> we're going through these answers. Michelle says, once you know your purpose, you you ignoring it and doing something else because you don't feel ready to do it is wicked. You're right, because you're going against the natural process. Once you know, you must make everything you do in alignment to your Nia. Nia's purpose in Kiswahili. Brother Anwar says the change or transformation can only occur when the caterpillar finally creates the proper environment for it to flourish as a butterfly. So we go back again to environment. Someone mixed, mentioned that earlier. Uh, Brother Shaga says maybe the speed of development is contingent upon its capacity to create an environment for change. Great answer again. Brother Shaga's bringing it today. <laughs> Brother Antonio says I'm looking at a video now and it's interesting how they're constantly shedding their skin. Good. Now we're researching. Brother Antonio even went and checked, pulled up a video. Sister L says, greetings, everyone. Some changes are made by default, right? Some are, you know, um, like getting taller, <laughs> you know, or getting wider. The faster one creates with his brother Shaga, the faster one creates the, that environment, the sooner one can change. <laughs> see what happens? You see how y'all flowing now? You, you got a nice flow going now. One of the one of the uh, best ways to learn something is to teach it. One of the best ways to learn something is to teach it. So I'm always trying to establish opportunities for you all to teach. So, you know, I don't always jump in and answer everything. You know, if it's something that I know may be beyond you, then, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely I'll answer it. But um, if there's an opportunity and I say, oh, let me throw this back in the in the, in the pool, you know, in a sense, uh, I know it's going to help you to grow because like Brother Antonio said, well, I'm looking at a video right now. So now he just opened himself up just by answering the question. You know, I'm, I'm sure he didn't plan, <laughs> he didn't plan on looking at butterfly videos today, you know, but now he's doing that. 
So he's growing as a result. That's what it's about, man. You know, it's not about highlighting my consciousness. That's we, we already did that already. You already know I'm smart. <laughs> so it's about pulling out your smarts, you know, and make and bringing yourselves further. Brother Shaga says the faster one, right? Okay. So Mr. Sister Michelle says you can find out your purpose through a reading with Chief or in learning divination. Yeah. You know, Brother Anwar says this happens when self-awareness of the current environment has been cleared of its obstacles and aware of its nourishment. Oh, it's Brother Anwar getting philosophical. Sister Diana says, all right, here we go, Diana Williams. She says, Sister Sullivan, yes, you will change in your own time. However, the key is what you change too. So we had a couple people say that. Good. Brother Antonio, he's looking at that video. So he says, so the cocoon stage has been built up over a long process, right? Very much similar to the scarab, right? The scarab or, the, or what we call the dung beetle. It pushes that dung around through the sand for a long time, you know, and then puts its eggs inside of it. So it takes a long time just to build up the environment for transformation. Brother Antonio just, just shared that. He says, so the cocoon stage has been built over a long process. Like the soul, you've never not fulfilling your purpose. Sister Lakeisha says, doesn't enlightenment lead one to, that, to a higher self? What's the point and meaning of initiation? That's, that's two different questions. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Does enlightenment lead one to a higher self? I don't need to answer that one. Y'all should know that answer. What's the point and meaning of initiation? I already did a show on that one. That one you guys may not know. But, um, I mean, we've discussed it, but we haven't discussed it at length. But we did discuss it. Well, I wasn't on that show, actually. There was a student show. But they did a pretty good job at it. You know, I had shared some ideas with them before they did the show. That We did that show like four years ago, three, four years ago. So if you look up uh, Anuasafo Initiation, or whatever, reach initiation, you'll find it. it's on YouTube. All right. Brother Antonio says you need direction though. Sister Lakeisha says, Thanks everyone for the feedback. Yeah. And they gave you more than feedback. They gave you answers, shipping. Come on now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But she's got two more questions because you know she's gonna start peppering y'all with questions now. You gotta be ready now. She says, Doesn't enlighten I think you all can answer doesn't enlightenment lead to lead one to a higher self. Let me just say this before I, I go on, because this, this is a part of it. This is not a sidetrack, these questions, and everyone's listening. I'm reading them out loud for people who, those of you who are listening but don't see the chat room, you know, so that way. And plus, after when you come back to the um, the archive, you know, the video, you won't see all this chat. So that's why I'm reading them out loud for you. But um, that question you just asked. Doesn't enlightenment lead one to a higher self? All right, I'm going to read one of the answers, and I'm going to say something on that question. Brother Vivid Eye Productions publication says, you need the will to connect to that higher self. Remember, your personality and drive will give character to the soul. That's a confusing answer, Brother Vivid Eye Publications. I understand your answer, but you got to slow up, break that down even more. Listen to her, look at her question. This is becoming now a class in how to be a teacher. Look at, look at the question. Look at how she asked the question and the wording you used. Your answer is not going to clarify like you think. Your answer is not wrong. Your answer is right, but you need to, to, to break it up a little bit more. 
And again, his answer was, you need the will. To, her, her question was, uh, does enlightenment lead one to a higher self? What's the point and meaning of initiation? And he said, you need the will to connect to that higher self. Remember, your personality and drive will give character to the soul. She didn't mention the soul. That's a whole different lesson. So, you you know, break it down a little bit more. The first part of your, your answer was good. You need the will to connect to that higher self. I thought you were going to go somewhere else after that, but it's still not clear based on what you said. Okay, so I'll say this to you, Sister Sullivan. That question, I haven't seen anybody catch it yet, <laughs> but the question should have been qualified, the first part of it. Doesn't, and you know, this is the second time you asked the question, because you did the first time, your first question like this. I'm going to point this out too. First question you asked, you said, don't you agree that? Now you're saying doesn't enlightenment. So it's almost like you're already arguing these points before you're getting your answer, which is a little a little scary. Because that means you may not actually be totally listening to the answers when it's presented in that way. So I'm gonna put that I'm just gonna put that out there. But when you you ask, doesn't enlightenment lead one to a higher self? Someone should have refocused that question. Because that question doesn't really make that much sense. How can you get to enlightenment if you're not utilizing your higher self? So then the first, so it's really the opposite. Doesn't the higher self lead one to enlightenment? That should really be the question. So the fact that you asked the question like that, once I would have spot that, the fact that you started with doesn't enlightenment lead one to the higher self, as if you already knew that, as a teacher, I would have said, what does enlightenment mean? What do you mean when you say enlightenment? What do you mean when you say the higher self? Because I already can tell by the way that you asked the question that you're not as informed as far as what enlightenment is or what the higher self is. So if I start giving you answers, it's not going to really bring you the clarity you need. For the most part, it's just going to confuse you further because I'm building on top of a confused paradigm here with, with the way that question was presented. All right, somebody should have caught that. All right, so that's where you really need to start. <laughs> like she just said, thanks, I will look up that. So she's looking up answers. So that means she hasn't gotten clarity. Those were simple questions she got. You could have gave her the clarity right now. She could have got it right now on the spot. So sometimes that happens. That happened recently where somebody put something in the chat room and somebody started giving an answer without fully looking at the question. I'm not going to say who it was and when it was, but I think some of you know. So I'm, I'm going to leave it there. But, you know, you got to you gotta learn and know how to read a question in its entirety. Don't just look at a word and start talking about the word, the part of the question you know. I, you know, that's how arguments start. <laughs> Somebody will say something, you know, they'd be like, you know, um, the way you did that, you know, I just didn't really like it. You know, you just kind of did that in a stupid way. You calling me stupid? No, I said you did that in a stupid way. Speaking of what you did. No, you just called me stupid. <laughs> you know, some people don't don't listen fully. So even when like, you know, asking questions like that, you know, you really want to look at the question, look at how they're asking it, because that will help you to understand if you can even answer the question. Because like that question doesn't enlightenment lead one one to a higher self. I know a million people right now that would jump in and start answering that who think they know something. And wouldn't even know that that's not a real question. 
that's what happened the other day where somebody put something in the, in the chat. Although I suspect the person who answered the question was the same person who put it in the chat room. Truth be told. But anyway, um, you got to sometimes qualify those questions first. And then the question, what's the point and meaning of initiation? Truth be told, you ain't even ready for the answer. Because you got to get the basic concepts first. So we shouldn't, you shouldn't even think about initiation. Let's get this other stuff. <laughs> Let's get these basics first. I'm going to read some of these other questions. All right. Um, I'm currently, Brother Anwar says, I'm currently clearing obstacles and giving thanks reciprocity to my nourishment. Uh, Michelle says, Chief covered initiation and Chief speaks as well. Oh, I did? I don't even remember. <laughs> um, Brother Shaga says, another thing to consider would be the strategy towards growth as it relates to the lay of the land. See, now you're getting overcomplicated. You're getting overcomplicated. I understand what you're saying, but that's why the sister responded and said, thanks, I'm going to look up the, the answers because you're not, y'all not giving her clear, clear answers. Give clearer direction. Break it down. Diana Williams said, no, not necessarily. Knowing and accepting is two different things. The Shaga says the strategy for creating an environment for growth for a caterpillar will be different in a jungle versus city. Y'all all over the place, man. <laughs> y'all all over the place. Are y'all even looking at the sister's questions? <laughs> Slow it up, man. I told you, pull it back a little bit. Pull it back. Pull it back. <laughs> you know, go go to the basics of her question. You know, she's she asked the, the the very first question was related to you know the speed. She said, as far as with the caterpillar, do you agree that do you agree no one can rush the metaphor metamorphosis? Everyone comes out of the cocoon at its own pace based on self awareness. Well, the fact that she said, do you agree no one can rush the metamorphosis? That means that's what she already thinks, and she just wants to get confirmation of. It. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm not saying it's wrong to want confirmation for something you already feel, but your answer to that question should be based around the nature and how she asked it. So she says, do you agree that no one can rush the more the metamorphosis? Everyone comes out of cocoon at its own pace based on self-awareness. Well, no, you can't, nothing can rush metamorphosis It's a natural process. You know, if you rush metamorphosis, you end up with mutations. So the thing is when you're answering a question like that, and I'm giving you, this is a lesson on how to answer questions. Sometimes, sometimes you want to, you don't, Sometimes you, you you can break down the terms in the question so the person can understand where you're coming from right away just by the way you answer it. So like like a question like that is as far as with the caterpillar, do you agree that no one can rush the metamorphosis? So if I was answering, I'd say, well, yeah, because metamorphosis is. I would define loosely metamorphosis first. So I'd be sure that we're looking at, we're thinking about the same thing. And as she says, metamorphosis, everyone comes out of the cocoon at its own pace, based on self-awareness, then I might say something about the cocoon because she just said everyone. So obviously she's talking about people, even though she said as far as with the caterpillar. So then I might speak about different forms of the cocoon. So when we say everyone comes out of the cocoon at its own pace based on self-awareness, yes and no, because, right, uh, this whole strong, I've been talking about the formulas for change. Right. Vision. First steps. Dissatisfaction. I didn't mention self-awareness. Right. So 
there's more aspects to that question, but the sister has a has a has an idea already, and she's just trying to get confirmation on that idea. So yeah, what you're saying is not incorrect, but there's more to add to it. There's the the picture is a little bit bigger. There's more that we can we can add to flesh that out a little bit, so you can get more insight. So I'm just saying I'm I'm just giving that as some guidance for people who were answering the questions when you're working with people. Like I said the best way to learn something a lot of times is to teach it, you know, but you got to know how to teach it, <laughs> you know, and, and that, that doesn't just revolve around you regurgitating what you know about a particular subject. Forget that. Because sometimes a person is asking a question and that's not even what they're asking. You got to, you got to know how to read the question in that sense, you know? So, you know, like when she said the cocoon, what is so many different kinds of cocoons? Right. So you might give some examples of cocoons. Being in jail could be a cocoon for some people. You know, that could be a cocoon. Being at a job that you don't like could be a cocoon. You know, um, she says, I'm still studying, guys. Bear with me. No, nah, listen, uh-uh. you ain't did nothing wrong, sis. You're good. You're good. All right. Every And everyone here, let me make this clear, because sometimes y'all get hyped up into thinking this. Everyone in this chat room right now is still studying, sister. Thank you. Antonio just said it, but thank you. He said, we all are, sis. Don't worry. Right. Everyone here is here to learn. I am still studying my, studying my sister. We're all students, even me. All right. It's just like I always say, I'm just a little further ahead. And some of you are going to catch up and pass me. You know, so I'm just a little further ahead down the road, but we're all on the same road. We're all learning. We're all studying. And the issue that I'm outlining is not necessarily with you. I'm just giving people tips and pointers on on how to teach, how to answer questions, because I see that happen so often sometimes, you know, people don't sometimes know how to teach or how to dissect even a person's question. And (laughs) they may, you know, they may give their all, you know, you know, in, in terms of trying to clarify things for them, but um, the person still walks away scratching their head, even though like, well, Dad, they did just give me a lot of information. A lot was just said, but I, I, I'm still not getting this. I'm still not catching it, you know, and sometimes it's just because, you know, you have to learn. Um, Sister Maria said this recently. I, it must have been, well, it had to have been a 7 a.m. show because. No, 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 it wasn't the seven. It was the woman's call. Um, see, it blurs in. But she was just speaking, you know, um, about how, you know, we were talking about helping and always wanting to help and things like that. I can't remember the exact statement. She, no, it was a 7 a.m. call. I'm sorry. But I don't remember what she said totally. <laughs> anyway, so skip that. I lost my train of thought. But essentially, you have to be able to feel a person. Go beyond the logistics of the question because sometimes people ask questions that don't make any sense, but they don't know it doesn't make any sense because they're still learning. You know, like there's times people will say to me like, um, you know, I want to get initiated to like the Odoo's or an Arisha. They don't understand that an Odoo is not an Arisha. They, they, you know, so I understand what they're saying and what they're, they're asking, but this, the, the words of the question don't necessarily make sense because they just don't know. It's okay. You know, so you, you say, okay, well, the old dudes are this, the Orisha, that, but you got to listen. You don't just start talking about initiation <laughs> and the person just asked a question like that. You know, you back up and you say, hold on, wait a minute. Well, let's, 
clarify some of these terms first. And then you may find out at the end of it, that person doesn't even want that. They're talking about something totally different, but don't realize what they're saying. You know, so you, you want to be able to tie in. Brother Antonio gave more answers. He said, good character is very important. Someone with a corrupt character may use that enlightenment to feed and refine their wicked ends. Transformation needs ba- to balance out enlightenment. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's good. good. Good answer. All of you, all of you got good answers. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> he also said, oh, another fun fact, while inside the cocoon, the caterpillar completely liquidizes itself, right? So if someone comes, does come out of the cocoon too early, you're going to have a sloppy, goopy mess with no structure. Here's the thing, though, right? Just check this out. All of you teachers, especially you brothers, that's really who I'm getting on. Y'all gave a lot of information here, right? A lot of She could go through and highlight, copy, and paste a lot of the stuff that was broken down. Did anybody check in with her to see if she understood what you were talking about? Right? Just think a lot of typing going on. Which is good. I know you're like, yo, you first you complaining that we didn't say nothing, and then when we do say something, you're going to criticize us about it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> so well, what I'm saying is check in with her. See, like, okay, do you understand what I'm saying, sister? Do you get, do you follow along? Da, 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 da. You know, because, again, like I said, the actual question wasn't really, uh, it wasn't a qualified question. So, you know, she might, you know, you want to make sure she's following or she might be thinking about something completely different. Like, if you notice, she asked, and I'm not saying you, you aren't, Sister Lakeisha, I'm using you as a hypothetical example. She also asked a question about initiation, back-to-back. What's the point and meaning of initiation? The whole point of all her questions, I'm not saying you are, I want to reiterate that, I'm giving a hypothetical example. The whole point of her question may be she might have just got a reading by somebody who says she needs to get initiated, but she might not feel like it's time for her to be initiated. Now, if you take that context, for instance, if you take that context, then it will put into proper perception, perspective, all the questions she just finished asking about somebody trying to rush change and metamorphosis and things like that. Right. (laughs) So that's what I mean. You want to you want to kind of be like a hunter, almost like look at more of what's being said and that sense before you just start going and dropping it because women don't need that much information. I've said that before, but they don't need as much. They don't need them. It's very rare. You find women, you know, straight brainiacs like that. They're not usually not that interested in that much information. They just need what they need to do what they need to do right now. You know, so you kind of want to keep that in mind. You know, the way you teach a woman is completely different than the way you teach a man. That's why I said eventually, shoot, now that we had all these problems on the site, now might be a good time to do it while everything's broken. But, (laughs) you know, the way you teach, I said eventually at some point I'm going to split the class between men and women because the the teaching style has to be completely different. You know, women, they're snakes, so they work with that serpentine energy, that kundalini energy. You know, so the, the the kundalini or the serpent, it doesn't come straight. It always comes at an angle. So that's why she asked the question the way she did. Don't you think this? Don't you agree that? So there's already something that's working in the back of her mind when she asked the question. It's not It's not black and white in that sense. If you understand that that's how women articulate, then you, you know, and it's not, again, putting it out there because i know a lot of times when we talk about a di- difference between men and women 
we have to, in this society, oh, what you saying? <laughs> that we're different. <laughs> you know, we look different. We think different. We act different. It's only in a sick society where everything is unisex that you'd have us sitting in the same classrooms together. That's ridiculous. And we don't even think the same way. And if we don't think the same way, we don't need to know the same things. We need different things depending on what our roles in society are, our roles in, in the family are, and how we process certain things. We need different types of tools. You know? Girls don't need to play dodgeball with boys. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just what it is, man. They don't need to play dodgeball with boys. Because we take it a completely different way. You know, we love the sound of that, that ping when that ball hits somebody in the face. And you, and you pretend like you're sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You okay? But you're inwardly laughing because they got to go to the nurse's office now because their whole face is messed up. You can't do that to a girl. You know that. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, man, we, we, we learn differently in that sense, man. So, you know, when, when, when those questions are coming forth like that, you know, from the sisters or the brothers, just know that the way you would process the question and then give the information back are different, you know? Um so yeah, just just keep that in, in the back of your mind, you know, as you're working. And even the use of flowers, like you see, how I'm talking about the flowers in the segment. Um, I'm sure the sisters have a different kind of appreciation because you have a lot of women who just like to put. Not that men don't as well, you know. I, I like flowers, but you know, a lot of women just like to keep flowers in their house because of how they look and things like that. But you know, again. We've been speaking about a lot lately how once you develop a different kind of appreciation for the sciences, um, very mundane or seemingly mundane things will take on a completely new meaning for you. They'll they'll take on a completely different and new value for you in that sense. So now when that sister buys that bouquet of flowers, then she realizes, wow, each flower essentially represents a path. You know, each kind of flower, each each color even essentially is a path that makes sense. I mean, it came from the ground and, you know, each one, you know, came from a different space, a different section and, and colors are a frequency. So each flower puts out a different frequency. Just like if I had all red roses, that's one frequency. You know, if I had red, white, purple, blue, black roses, those are multiple frequencies. So harmonically, what kind of thing did I just put together there with all of those different flowers? Um, you find flowers used a lot, like when you when you're working with people. This has been my experience, you know, man. Um, a lot of times, I've used flowers as replacement for animals. Yeah. You know, I know there's a lot of people who feel that they always have to give animals. I know, and then I'm not. Knocking that because it's nothing wrong. If you're a meat eater, then you can give animals. You know, everybody just always looks at like you're just killing animals for nothing. No, you're feeding, you're eating the animal. The only thing you're you're doing, the only difference is that you're keeping the blood, whereas maybe you would have normally just thrown the blood out, or you might keep the guts and use that, give that to the yami. But you know, as opposed to normally you would have thrown the guts out, or you're keeping the feet and and making soup, certain medicines and soaps. We make with the feet of certain animals, you know, that's the only difference, but you know, you're still utilizing the meat, you know, you're not just depending on what you're doing. If you're doing a cleanse and yeah, it's a little different, but you know, um, you're feeding people with that, but yeah, 
there's certain ways that you can use flowers, and I've done that a lot. Not just any flower and not just any arrangement, but I've done that a lot because a lot of times when I work with brothers and sisters who are Muslims who want to get initiated into into Ifa, a lot of times they don't want to do the animals. You know, even though that is a part of the tradition, they, they still do animals, but some are not comfortable with it. So a lot of times if you know how to work flowers, you can use flowers and, and things along with the flower, not just flowers by themselves, but certain flowers, you know, to do what you need to do. Um, yeah, of course, I'm not going to teach that information online, you know, but you know, you think about this aspect too, when you're working with the Lotus or you're utilizing flowers. Yeah, I think sister Lakeisha went to go look that stuff up, <laughs> you know, um, well, hopefully she understood that we weren't, I wasn't, uh, or I wasn't getting down on her. She didn't run off, but maybe she's doing something. I saw, I, I saw people said, uh, how are you processing? Is they looking for you, Sister Lakeisha? Um, but anyway, you know, so what Brother Achilles says, yeah, I don't eat meat. Well, look at it like this. Do people in your community eat meat? So you might still do something with an animal, but you may not eat the meat. I've been doing that for years. What I would do, because, you know, you always want to partake in some of it. I would just take like <laughs> like a little piece of gravy from the meat, right? Like after it was prepared and wrap it in like a lot of lettuce, like a bunch of lettuce, bunch of lettuce, and just eat that. That, was, that used to be how I used to be able to um, partake, part, partake in the Ebo, eating the Ebo with everyone else, you know, um, you know, for a while, because I couldn't, I couldn't stand the, the meat I couldn't rock with it you know when I was really hardcore on my raw my raw veganism you know but um you know one one of the other things too man when you're working with like again the lotus or, or plant life or like I was speaking about different herbs last night um it's the uniqueness as well that's what you're also tapping into because you know essentially no two flowers are the same you know so essentially um Oh, brother Kills asked, did I get sick from eating the meat like that? Uh, no. No, I didn't actually, you know, because I think there's so much water content and and the lettuce, you know, kind of just, and I didn't really have, you know, I would get like a, literally like maybe a little slither or literally just some of the gravy from the meat. So I wasn't really eating too much of it, you know, and I had so much lettuce, I would throw that down with the lettuce that mainly I just felt like I was eating lettuce with some little, maybe a little oil on it or something, you know? Um, so at the time, no, I, I, I didn't uh, get sick doing that. But um, I find that Ebo meat never makes me sick. You know, now, by going to, um, I don't know, where do people eat meat from? I don't even want to say KFC because that's like, that's like completely off the radar. So, I don't even, <laughs> but I don't know. I guess your regular eateries, your meat eateries, uh, Boston chicken. I think that's one, right? Boston or Boston market, something like that. That would probably make me mean, you know, unwell, <laughs> you know, eating regular type of chicken like that. But like, like, no, if it's, if it's an Ebo, especially if it's an Ebo that I've done, I can pretty much rock with anything, man. Goats, goat, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm good. But when I was really pushing the raw veganism at one point, you know, some years back, um, I just visually I would get sick looking at it. Or when I would smell it cooked, it would be like, ugh. especially chicken, because chicken is so mucousy and white 
and the, the pieces of meat are so big and be like, oh, man, I can't look at that. <laughs> you know, like if it was a goat or, or a cow or something, you know, or a ram, I could look at that and know, okay, I, I, you know, it's okay. But the chicken was just too big and mucusy, you know, little bones, all of it. Nah, it would just mess me up. Now I'm, I'm cool. Cause you know, I, I've had little relapses along the way, started eating fish and stuff like that. So, you know, I could rock with it, but um, yeah. And like brother Shaga says, it's a gift. It's a blessing, you know, love to give chickens away. Absolutely, man. That's what I used to do a lot, man. Just give the chickens away. You know, I had different elders because by the time I give it to you, it's you know, I would butcher it and everything. It's cleaned up, gut it and everything. You just get in a nice bag of, of fresh chicken. Here, go make your soup. <laughs> you know, um, and that's a good feeling because that's essentially what we do back home. You feed in the village with the elbow. I'm feed, fed my Arisha. Cool. Check that off. Fed the village. Check that off. Come on, man. I can't lose. I'm Parker Lewis. Can't lose. You know, I, I covered all my bases in that sense. But um, like I was saying, one of the, the aspects of, uh, again, using flowers for our work again is is the, the law of, of again, of correl- correlations, of correspondence is that the flower, you know, no two flowers come out the same. So they represent, you know, a lot of times I know we look at life as a repeatable cycle. And um, we're going to go through this again, go through this again. Go through but the truth is, even though we, we may repeat in terms of the cyclical or, or the spiritual nature of life, um, we never are the same. <laughs> like you say, you can't step in the same stream twice. It's not just because the stream is constantly moving, but it's also because you're constantly changing in every moment. So the person who stepped in it five minutes ago or five seconds ago, not the person who steps in it now so that's one of the representations also of the flower the lotus and when you see that in our tradition it also represents that you know that that aspect of of your life expression where you are a unique being and this lifetime that you're currently living right now is unique even if you've been on a planet five six hundred times and you've been making the same mistakes technically a different person has been making it this, you know, the same mistake, quote unquote, you know, in a sense. So, you know, it, it, it speaks to the um, customization of an individual, you know, how each individual is customized despite lifetime, you know, and there's, there's an infinite um, complexity to each person, though, though even the most simplest of looking people, there's still an, an, an infinite complexity um, to them. So, you know, it really exemplifies um, how we're all different and it's uniqueness like a flower. But even with the flower, still you can have a bouquet or you can have a flower or a plant that grows three or four blossoms. So even though each blossom or each flowering is different, they're still connected. So it shows you like how, how we're all different people. We're all very unique and different people who, who manifest through life on the planet, but we're all still interconnected. So then you start to see the complexity of the web of interconnectedness. And, and I know, right? You're probably thinking like, well, or is it just a flower? Yeah. But it's also, it's also all those things that I just said as well. You know, see, that's what I said. When you start to get deeper into you know, the, the nature of things. You get deeper into the nature of certain substances and, and, and certain very small and simple things and basic things of the world. Um, 
you start to really appreciate their inherent complexities because truly nothing is really that simple. You know, nothing is is truly that 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 simple. And even with the flower aspect, like I I, I think I put that in one of my books. You know, um, I use dry flowers a lot. So I mean, I'm 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 an economist through and through. You know, so I I learn how to recycle my my economy in that sense. So if I get some flowers and I have them on a shrine, um. They're going to turn into some omiero at some point or some incense at some point. You know, I might even tote those flowers, depending on what kind of flowers they are. You know, I'll put some honey on them and put them on some wax paper and and then, uh, you know, split a split a Dutch down the middle <laughs> and, you know, smoke them up. So, you know, it, but the, the flowers, they're going to get reused in that sense, you know. So that also speaks about when you're looking at flowers like the transformation and the transitions of life, how um, in life we can serve a purpose, but even in, once we transcend to that space of death, we still serve a purpose. You see, now you see that depicted in the flowering of things, you know, when, when the flowers is, is hydrated and full of life, we look at it, we admire its beauty. Uh, of course, it has a fragrance to it, but, you know, when, when it becomes dehydrated, and, you know, it comes down and, and, and it, quote unquote, dies. It still has a flavor to it. It still has a color to it. <laughs> you see, so. Um, you, you start to see that even in that sense, um, that there is a there is a purpose through through life or death. There's an opportunity um, to still honestly work out your karma. On either side. Because you're still moving, you're still of use. So, man, there's so many different different uh, ways to see uh, the symbolism of that flower in that sense, or flowering at use, man. There's so many ways uh, to view that that is is really beautiful, um, and you start to get a sense of why we use them. So, I, you know, I'm really sharing this. <laughs> Because uh, I want you all to appreciate the flowering more, but starting it off with the ideas of the caterpillar so you can just kind of understand how through the change of things, things still remain very relevant and useful. And sometimes we know that that changes occur, as was asked earlier, um, because one, our contextual environment is completely different. Like I said, you know, the lotus going from the, um, the mud then going through the water, right? So that's a, that's a change, you know. Now I'm able to go through the water, and it's a completely different environment. So um, there had to have been a change. And then after the water, then now I'm in I'm in the air. I'm on the surface. Each time my environment is changing, and the rules that I utilized in my last environment will not work in my new environment. That's how I know I've broken out of one stage of my cocoon. You know, one stage of my metamorphosis, because if if you live in the mud, right, there's a certain way that you're going to move, even just to be able to move through the mud. Then if you go into the water, you know, the gravity is different. So there's going to be a different way you're going to move through the water. Then when you finally reach the surface and you're in the, in the air now, there's a different way you're going to move through the air. So one of the ways that you're actually that you know that you're actually, I guess we could say, making progress of moving through different spaces is um is that you start to notice that your modes of existence have to change 
And some of the things that you previously did before become extinct. Some of your modalities become extinct as you begin to move. And essentially, you're a flower that's attempting to live in an enlightened state or, or illuminate um, in a light state for your spirit to travel through. You know, so in order to do that, you're going to go through different worlds. You know, you may go through different hells or you may go through different heavens. So just like the, the, the mud is a world, the water is a world, the air is a world, the, the, the value and the, and the absolute um, brilliance that we find uh, in the lotus is the fact that it's living in different worlds at one time. So it's such an absolute and brilliant representation of uh, us you know, and in our human form, how we can visualize, you know, that we're living in different lands at one time. We can imagine ourselves going beyond our imagination and really understanding that our consciousness is the mediator uh, between these different worlds in order for us to visualize ourselves in each space or to shift and move our consciousness around to each place, you see. I see the question in the room, Chief, what kind of flowers do you use to smoke? Uh, anything. <laughs> no, it depends because, um, you know, I, I, I do enjoy a cigar, you know, depending on the environment. So obviously tobacco, but um, I'm not, I, I don't inhale typically. So usually like if I take something and I, and I, um, you know, I'm using it to tote, I'm literally just blowing it back onto my fetishes. So in that case, whatever's not going to irritate the inside of my mouth, <laughs> I will use to blow back onto my fetishes. But you know, I don't, I don't smoke. I don't, I don't get high or anything like that. I don't drink like that or whatever. So yeah, it, it, it really depends on what I'm working with. And I tell you a lot of times I just go by intuition. You know, if I feel safe, I, I like to use mugwort. A lot. That's one that I, I, I will tote. Peppermint, absolutely. You know, I try to always grow some mint. But, um, you know, it depends on what energy that I'm I'm working with. I like valerian a lot. So I use a lot of valerian um, passion flower. Uh, I tote. You know, I use that. Um, trying to go through a list of some. I got a lot of them. Man. I, got, I have blends that I make literally written down. I've been doing this for years. Um, so I have different blends that I, I like to work with, depending on the energy that I work with. I think I had shared skull cap, you guys, or maybe it was Kim and she shared it, something like that. But I shared that one. So skull cap is one. Um, I almost want to go over to my shelf. I have I have everything kind of bagged up, but um, yeah, I mean I have all kind of blends that I work with, and some are stronger than others. You know, some are like. You know, it might as well be, you know, herb because it's, it's some of them are that strong. I won't even mention those ones. You know, um, yeah, Damiana is one that I do use. I see you mentioned that, Antonio. Um, yeah, I've been using that for years. Um, have you tried to vaporize them? No, I don't, I don't go through all that, man. <laughs> if, if I if I start vaporizing, then, I, then I'm like a smoker. <laughs> nah, I don't even want to. I don't even want to get that deep with it. You know, maybe one day, but now I'm not really a smoker like that. So um, I just don't like wasting things. So if I have a flower or I'm working with herbs. And a lot of times, you know what? I'm going to tell you where I really get busy. And some of you can can utilize this too. 
because I do so many um, rituals with different people, and a lot of times I do spiritual baths, I take the water, the water and the herbs from the bath. Like sometimes we might be in a river and, you know, we might be doing a, a spiritual bath and I'll scoop up or have somebody who's there. I'll say, man, scoop some of them flowers up, you know, or whatever herbs we were using as they fall into the water. I save that stuff, you know, because that's, that stuff is now um, consecrated. You know, anything that I use for consecration purposes and consecration is not just what some of you have gone through spiritual consecration. Anything I use to do work with, I'm keeping water, whatever. Like, um, heck, I, I'm looking at one right now. I got this bottle of, um, I took the label off. I think this was probably Poland Spring. But it's a bottle of it that came from a funeral I was at. So, you know, all all in prayers, crying, amusing and all that stuff, that bottle of water was sitting right there. And yes, I took the bottle with me, <laughs> you know, so um, I use stuff like that. Um, I went to a funeral um, a year ago. His brother saw me doing it, but he didn't say anything. It's a good brother of mine who um, was killed and um, he had these long locks and I was I was in there, you know, doing the viewing and stuff for anybody got there. And yes, I pulled like four locks out off of his head. Put them, put them things right in my pocket. Try, yeah, tried to do it real slick. Like I was leaning in the coffin, like oh, you know, you know, and then uh, kind of looked behind me and ripped four locks off. So that's something that I'll use, you know, to burn and to give him tribute because his energy is in those locks. You know, I mean, they just going to put him in the box and put him in the ground with the locks. You know, if, if I had more time, I would have cut all of them off. <laughs> you know. I mean, think about, you know, you talk about making shrines and stuff to people, man. Think about what kind of egungun shrine you get there. Um, sometimes I, I try to get fingernails, things like that, man. So, um, yeah, man. So, uh, use different things, man. Like I said, I'm an economist, man. So, I, I, I really do reuse a lot of things. So, like like when you ask what do I, I tend to tote, man, anything, you know, as long as it doesn't irritate me. And if I don't tote it, I'll do incense with it. If I don't do incense, I may do a a, um, a bath with it. But anything you would do with dried leaves, you know, sometimes even a tea, depending on uh, what it is. Definitely, I'm, I'm going to do some omiero and strain it out and pour some libations with it. Uh, I like to also sometimes put things in gin, see what I get from that, you know, make make my own tinctures and things like that and, and see what we end up with, see what kind of effect it has, you know. So play around. You know, you play around and, and you, um, you know, yeah, you get funky with it. And sometimes, you know, you, everyone has their own their own limits. You know what I mean? You may not go to a dead body and rip the hair off the body. Me, you know, it's different. Like, I don't, uh, dead body, it doesn't really, you know, whatever. You know, I'm not really thinking about it like that. Because a lot of the work I do, I, I have to anoint bodies for funerals sometimes, man. So I'm used to touching cold, dead bodies and putting you know, herbs and different preparations on them and stuff. So, um, you know, in my spiritual work, so it's nothing for me to, to do something like that, but yeah, I try to get funky with it. <laughs> yeah, man. I try to really take it there in, in, in that sense. But, um, yeah, man, reuse things. Like I said, even like, um, you know how, when you pour out libations, some, some of you live in apartments where you have, um, carpet, right? So I remember, uh, 
one time being somewhere doing some readings, I was somebody's house and I and I needed to, to, to pour water and I said, Could you just get me a bowl of water? Uh, not me a bowl. So I had a bottle of water. So I, what I was doing as I was working, I was pouring, you know, like when I was you know, do, doing my, my, my adimu or what we call our tutu, I was pouring it into the bowl. So what I was doing was after I was done, I probably did like, cause I did a couple of readings and some work, maybe did like three, four readings. Right. So I had this nice full bowl of consecrated water. Cause this is water that I use to pour libations, but I'm also speaking over it. So I'm charging it. And then I'm doing readings and I have my, my opuele out, you know, I have my Meriden Lagoon shells. Like I'm, I'm working, but this water is here the whole time. So what do you think I did? Yeah, I poured that water back into a into a bottle, took it with me. Because it's blessed water now. I blessed it. I made holy water. That's holy water. So I can use it for different things, you see? So, you know, you kind of get into that. That goes back to the idea that I was giving earlier about the flowers, you know, through life and through death. So when we pour out water for libations, we might say, oh, the water's dead now. I can't use it. I'm not going to drink it. You know, I'm not going to lick it off the ground. I just poured it into the ground. But if you pour it into a, a container, you can, or if it if it drips, you might drip, pour it into a plant pot. But then it drains from the bottom of the plant. Well, now you still have the water. Drain through the soil, too. Man, you use the water. Use it. It's blessed now. You see? So, you know, you learn to reuse things even in death. Just like our Egun. I said that recently, man. Appreciate those those elders now, man. Don't just wait till they die and say, now let me tap into your energy. No. Appreciate them now in life. And then also appreciate them in death. So when I get some flowers, I'm appreciating the flowers while they're alive. And then I'm appreciating the flowers after they die. You know, it, it, it just doesn't stop in that sense. So, you know, it's just just some guidance, man. Just different ways that you can um, that you can work, you know, in and, and, and that sense. Different ways that you can get busy with the work, man, and you start to see after a while, you don't need all that complicated stuff. You know, you start learning how to make your own things, man, make your own herbal blends and, and, and things like that. And you could do whatever with them, you know, um, take your own chia seeds or your own hemp seeds and mash them up, man. You know, the mortar and pestle is your best friend. <laughs> the mortar and pestle is, is, is uh, a, a magician's or a priest or an owl's best friend. And I'm telling you, man, I put everything in my mortar and pestle. It's like the first time I got a Vitamix blender, man, I lost my mind. I was blending. I mean, I was I was putting everything in that blender, man. I was trying to blend up bread. I was like, oh, you can't eat bread? We shouldn't eat bread because of the carbs? Man, I'm putting that joint in my blender. <laughs> you know, put, some, put some bread in there, some peanut butter, some jam, <laughs> maybe peanut butter and jelly sandwich shake, you know? But uh, yeah, man, I'm like that with the mortar and pestle, man. I I put everything in, it, man. You know, I find me a, a dead bee. Found me a nice big giant dead bee the other day, man. You know where it's going? It's going in the mortar and pestle. Pound that bee up in the powder and then do some other thing. You know, I got little things I do, and uh, I I I catch wreck. I get busy with it. You know, um, it's all kind of different things you could do, man. So like I said, appreciate the life, appreciate the death. You know, it doesn't end or begin there. And just like the passage I read in the beginning from Alice in Wonderland, uh, sometimes you lose your full grip on where you are right now, but that's necessary in order to get where you want to go. You know, and it's going to be a lot of fluctuation 
you know, uh, along the way. And that's just a part of the journey. That's just part of what is what it is. All right. We're going to head out of here. Again, I reiterate uh, for those, you know, who are coming in a little bit late, uh, you know, we're going to be um, killing the, the phone situation soon on uh, for blog talk. Not killing it. Uh, that's harsh language, but we'll be we'll be suspending it for a little while. Uh, we also put a, a a small hiatus also on the women's call. I'll let you guys know when I when I bring that back up again for your sharing pleasure. But it's all about sharing. And I want to give a shout out to all the people who stepped up, men and women alike, who answered uh, the call to Sister Sullivan, Sister Lakeisha. All right. Um, you gave some really good answers. And I urge you, Sister Lakeisha, anybody else who got something, man, copy and paste the, uh, you know, you can select the whole chat, copy and paste it and put it somewhere. All right, because you know once the show is over, you can't pull the chat back up. But you got a lot of good information, man. A lot of good points were hit uh, in that, you know. And remember, the you know the best way to learn something, man, is teach it. Don't be afraid to to answer questions, even if you you're wrong. If you're wrong, and I see you're wrong, I'm gonna correct you. All right, it's just it's all about humility, you know humidity. I'm over here reading Brother Armwad's post and missing up my way. He said, I got a bag in my humidor right now. <laughs> but so so it's all about humidity and humility. You know, but um, yeah, man, you know, you're going to get corrected. Alright? That's for all of you. You all are here to learn, man. So I know some people try to get on and grandstand and teach. Uh, if I If I open up the lane for you to do that, no problem. If not, and you say something crazy, you might get checked. <laughs> if if checking you is not going to completely derail us, you know, or I might just, you know, play you to the side and get you off the, the uh, air real quick, you know, pause. So, yeah, you know, um, like I said, man, teach each other, help each other, you know, ask each other these questions first. I, I, I've been saying that for the longest, you know, uh, I know a lot of people are very afraid of connecting with the community you know, um, for many for many reasons, you know, we've been programmed to be afraid of each other like that. But that's not going to work with me because you're not going to. Sometimes I'm just going to do just like I did. And I answer. I know we're used to a Western paradigm where whenever you raise the hand, the teacher say, yes, Simon, <laughs> you know, has to answer, even though they don't like you. This is my own thing. So I'm doing I'm doing it the way I want to do it. If I don't want to answer your question. I ain't going to answer it. Or I'm going to answer how I feel like answering it. So um, it's for your growth. Just understand that. But it may not be what you're used to. You know, you may be used to getting things a certain way. But trust me, if that was working for you all this time, you wouldn't be here. That doesn't work. And I know sometimes people say, but I'm used to a teacher doing teaching. Yeah, you're used to the wrong thing. I, I can't help you there. What do you want me to do about that? I'm not going to comply to something that doesn't work just because you're used to it. It makes you feel comfortable. We're metamorphosing here, metamorphosizing. We're growing, we're transforming, we're changing. And you may have to recite the poem backwards now. You see, that may be how your mind works because your mind has been transformed. So you're seeing language completely different. So when the caterpillar Absalom asks you, who are you? You may have trouble answering that question. Telling you, man, a passage in Alice in Wonderland, man, that that exchange that she had with with the caterpillar was very deep, you know. And he said, "Who are you?" You know, she said, "I, I hardly know, sir. Just at the present, 
at least I know who I was when I got up this morning, but I think I have been changed several times since then. Come on, man. It's all right there. <laughs> deep. That was deep. It's all right there. You know, you just got to know, you just got to know what to look for. The fact that he just kept saying contemptuously, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And she couldn't say, you know. And she said, I think you should tell me first. So that's when we knew she had a, a diminished sense of self at that point. She was looking for him to define her. That's what happens sometimes through our changes, through our rough and rocky weather. We look for external validation. All right, we're heading out. Tomorrow is what? Friday. I'll be on 7 a.m. We're back to the early. The strong went by pretty fast, huh? But we'll be back um, 7 a.m. tomorrow, you know, uh, chopping it up, chopping it up. Uh, you know, the Friday segments prep you. I always give you something to do over the strong end. And I never really ask for feedback. I think I might have to hold some of you accountable for some feedback soon. All right, see what see what's really working. All right, but uh, I'll be giving you some you know some some homework over the strong end tomorrow, like I always do. All right, thank you everyone for calling in, for tuning in, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow morning. And again, uh, all of you Sedula House students, I know some classes are missing. You see the notice that was sent out. We're working on it. All right. In the meantime, stay up with your new spiritual training. It doesn't exempt you from your work. <laughs> all right. So that's still up there and that's still popping and that's still moving. You know, it's all a part of owning your own thing, man. Sometimes you hit little bumps and rocks along the way, you know, but uh, it's still worth it no matter what. You know, independence and self-sustainability is, is worth the work. It's worth the trouble. <laughs> all right. Until such time, I'll speak to you all tomorrow. This is Chief Yuya from the Anu Nation, Anu Life Global Ministries signing out.